Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Friday, September 24th, 2021. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut, is Taylor Swink on Buster Only, working from my home in New York before I head up to Boston. Later today, Red Sox-Yankees on ESPN tonight. Red Sox-Yankees on ESPN on Sunday night. A big series, obviously, between those teams. Yesterday, a big day for the Chicago White Sox, who held a big lead throughout the summer in the American League Central, and they finished it off yesterday. Here's the one-two, swing and a miss! Sox win the division! They are the American League Central champions! A few hugs, but it's pretty low-key right now on the field, and a lot of handshakes and hugs in the dugout. Glenn Casper on ESPN 1000. Now, uh, yesterday, Chris Bassett came back for the Oakland Athletics, whose playoff hopes are waning. They are fading. He looked great, but the Mariners would come back. Here's a 3-2 to Hanniger. Pitch swung on and drilled deep to right. Backing up Pinder on the track, reaching up over the fence. And that baby's gone. We got a tie ball game. Mitch Hanniger with a home run, ties it up as 35th. RBI number 85, and the Mariners keep on battling back, and they've done it again. 2-2 pitch, swung on, yanked down the line. Stay fair, big boy. He did. A two-run homer by Luis Torrens. Pinch hitting, and the Mariners have a 6-4 lead. LT off the bench, his 15th home run, and the Mariners have battled all the way back. Uh, from 710 ESPN Seattle, the Mariners would win 6-5. The Blue Jays, in the midst of that wild card race, face the Minnesota Twins, a team they're supposed to beat. Game one of a four-game series for Toronto against the Twins, and it didn't go well. Changeup hit high in the air, right field. This ball might have a chance. Get up. Gone. A three-run homer for Nick Gordon, and the Twins now lead 6-2. On their way to a 7-2 win, that sound from Dan Gladden of Treasure Island Baseball Network. The two worst teams in baseball announced they're retaining their managers for next year. Brandon Hyde will go back to being the Baltimore manager in 2022. Arizona bringing back Tori Lavallo for 2022 as well. In the National League races, the Phillies were down big. 6-0 to Pittsburgh, but they came all the way back. Swung on, hit well, left field, going back offered to the track. It's going to be gone. It cleared. Ronnie Torres has put the Phillies on top. He just snuck it over that left field wall. A pinch hit, three-run home run for Ronald Torres, and the Phillies have an 8-6 lead. Now from Scott Fransky, Sports Radio 94 WIP, they would win 12-6, so 12 unanswered runs for the Phillies after falling behind by 6-0. The team that the Phillies are chasing, the Atlanta Braves, faced the Diamondbacks. Final game of that series, and it didn't go well for Atlanta. Shot to center. Heredia back, back, back. Over his head. Up against the wall. Calhoun turns third. He's coming to the plate. There will be no throw. He scores Diamondbacks later than an RBI double by Varsho. They're on top 5-4. to four. Arizona wins 6-4, to that from Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. At the end of the day, the Braves lead over the Phillies at two games. In the National League West, the Dodgers were in Colorado. They trailed going to the top of the ninth inning, 
tied the score, and then in the top of the 10th inning, this is what happened. Max Muncy leading it off. And a fly ball to center field. It's going to be a long run back, way back, and it is gone! A home run! Max Muncy with his 35th home run of the year. And the Dodgers have a two-run lead. It is now 7-5. to five. Charlie Steiner, AM570, LA Sports. The Padres and the Giants. San Francisco starting the day with a two-game lead over the Dodgers. But in the 10th inning, Padres walked it off. Here's the pitch from Leon. Victor swings, ground ball up the middle, diving stop, Listella coming home, no chance. Profar scores and the Padres win it. Victor Caratini with a walk-off infield single in the bottom of the 10th inning. And the Padres' efforts against the Giants finally rewarded. They win this game 7-6. 97.3 the fan. And the hottest team in baseball, the St. Louis Cardinals, carried an 11-game winning streak into their series finale against the Brewers on Thursday. They fell behind big, 5-0. And then what a comeback by St. Louis. A 2-2 pitch to Goldschmidt. is hit high and deep to left field. I think he got it. I think he got it. You bet he did. A two-run home run for Paul Goldschmidt. And this game is tied at five. That from the Cardinals Radio Network, St. Louis would add on three more runs. And then in the bottom of the ninth inning, this is what it sounded like. Swing and a miss. That's a Redbird winner. And a sweep in Milwaukee. The Cardinals run onto the field. They shake hands after sweeping the Brewers and winning the Cardinals' 12th straight game. They are rolling. We're going to be talking about that with Carl Ravitz coming up. Taylor, what do you got? Buster, you mentioned Sunday Night Baseball. I will mention the baseball games on ESPN Radio this weekend. Yankees Sox, Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Tune in then and also Sunday. If you're not watching on television, you can listen on the radio starting at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We've got In the Crease, ESPN's newest podcast. That's an NHL show hosted by Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. You've got Monday morning. Look out for Organized Chaos from Bart Scott and Rex Ryan, and please listen to the ESPN College Football Podcast as you get ready for week four of the college football season. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. It's the Ravage Train with Carl Ravage. Carl Ravage, play-by-play man for ESPN, host of baseball tonight. Ravi, where's the Ravage Train going today? Train pulling out of the station a little uh, before 11.30 this morning. Uh, destination Fenway Park this evening for the opener of the Red Sox-Yankees. We're all excited about the series. We're all excited about being at Fenway Park. Eduardo Perez and I will be there. Um, and this has, you know, this has the feel of all recent more important Red Sox Yankee series. And it's been a little while, you know, you're thinking about Aaron Boone's Homer and you're thinking about Oh four and you're thinking about Oh five and the great race they had then. So we're, we're really excited. We just gotta, we gotta try to use the train to blow the elements out. could be some uh, wet weather up there this afternoon and this evening. Yeah. We've got the Red Sox and Yankees on Sunday night baseball. Uh, I did a bunch of radio hits yesterday. I'm sure you have too. Uh, and I get asked the question all the time, okay, who's going to come out of the American League East? Which teams are going to come out in the wild card race? We've been watching these teams all year, Carl, go up and down the Red Sox in first place and collapsing and then coming back and the Yankees doing the same thing, the Blue Jays streaking and then losing to the Minnesota Twins last night. And my answer has been, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you. You have a strong feeling about any of these, t- the, uh, which two teams are coming out of this? Crystal ball is very foggy. I think the Red Sox get in. Um, I think their schedule favors them. Uh, look, the Yankees, you know, control their 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 fate, if you will. They they play the the two teams they they have to beat. They play the Red Sox. They play the Blue Jays, and then they play the Rays. And I don't know what the Rays, you know, state of mind is going to be. I, I think one thing I've I've kind of concluded as we head down the stretch. We, we talk all about strength of schedule buster and the idea that, well, you're supposed to beat that team. You should beat that team, which I always, it always rubbed me the wrong way. I couldn't quite figure out why. And other than you're playing a professional team, you're playing major leaguers. I, I've kind of landed on the idea that the, the teams that you most want to play down the stretch are not the ones that have been out of it basically for months because they're used to playing this type of baseball. They figured it out. They're, they're in a place where these games have meant the same for a long time. You play a team that was in the race that has seemingly fallen out of it. And they go through this sort of defeated deflated period where you're like, Oh my God. And, And the Mets were the most recent example of it against the Red Sox, you realize they were fighting for a long time and have come to the conclusion we're out. And when you come to that conclusion, there is a natural letdown. We saw the letdown during this recent series. They were awful. 
And they were not awful because they played this way the whole year. They were awful because they realized we're, we're done. We're dead. And you can see that. So the, the, to me, there is the difference between those teams and teams like the Royals and the Pirates and the Orioles. They're tough because they've been playing the same level, caliber, quality all season. It hasn't been good enough to get into a playoff position, but it's good enough to beat these guys on any given day. And you're looking at a team or teams that have been in it and now fallen out of it. That's a little different for me. So I'm not sure what the state of mind is going to be for the Rays when the Yankees play them. I know they're obviously in the playoffs. Are they saving guys? Um, you know, integrity of the game says, well, we've got to play everybody and we got to, we got to try hard. I don't know if that's going to happen. So I, the Red Sox get in and I agree. The other two, I, I don't know the answer, Blue Jays or Yankees. I have no idea. I think you're right about the Mets, by the way. It, it looked like watching those two games, like they already had oh, their bags God. packed. You know, they were, they, oh they were like uh, college kids ready for spring break. hundred <laughs> percent. No, they really were. And it, they're in a bad place. It, it, but, you know, now look, the Padres could end up in a bad place. The Reds could end up in a, in a mentally bad place. The, the, you know, I think the Phillies will, will play important games here the rest of the way. But, you know, there, there were those teams. Maybe maybe the A's. There seems to be a lot of pride there. But, again, you've got to recognize that you take that knockout blow and there is going to be a natural kind of letdown. And then maybe you, you puff your chest out and try to finish strong. But the, that, the Mets showed that natural letdown. And we should mention the Mariners kind of hovering, you know, a couple games behind the the group of teams, and we can't completely forget about them. I do think Oakland uh, now it's going to be a tough tough road for them to come back. Uh, let's give it up, golf clap for the Chicago White Sox. They took care of business. I think everybody expected that they would probably win the American League Central this year, and they did in a walk. Uh, how dangerous are they on a scale of one to ten for you going to be in the playoffs? It would it would really depend on their pitching. I think they'll score. The offense is is really dynamic and terrific. Seven, um, they, they can play at a ten. They can sometimes play at a five. Uh, so I'd say somewhere right in between seven, seven and a half. Um, there was a period this year where I would look at them like I like I had the Rays and the Astros. I thought they were all on the same level. I, I think they have fallen a little bit. Radon's last start was wasn't truly inspiring. Um, but they certainly have the ability. Uh, that's for dang sure to, you know, to, to, to be as good as anybody in the league. But I put them at a seven right now. We uh, have talked a lot about how, the, you know, the Dodgers trade for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner might be the best trade deadline trade ever in terms of the impact. You know, what those two guys have done for the Dodgers. And I think we'd have to put at the other end of the scale, the White Sox trade for Craig Kimbrell. Because I know I thought at the time they got him, boy, you know, an established all-star reliever, perhaps a future Hall of Famer, joining a bullpen, which was already good, Liam Hendricks. Uh, and quite frankly, Craig Kimball has not been what they thought that they were getting. 20 games, 19 innings, 5.68 ERA, eight walks and 30 strikeouts. And I, Carl, the whole time I've wondered, because, I've, you know, you and I have talked to players, uh, closed guys who pitched the ninth inning, they just, uh, if they're put into a role where they're not uh, standing at the end, edge of the plank with an opportunity to get a save, they're just not the same. Craig Kimbrell now right. has allowed runs in three of his last four outings to push that ERA close to six. What do you think about him? Right. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of some of the teams that Terry Francona uh, had when he was in Boston and you looked at the lineup and you said, okay, Crawford and, 
Carl Crawford was great, and and yet Joe Madden had said, you know, be, be careful here. There's there's some there's some holes. And I remember interviewing Tito before a season started and saying, "How do you line this group up?" And he kind of, you know, he chuckled, typical Francona fashion, laughed, said, "I, I pick them out of a hat because they were so good and they didn't win." Um, when when Kimbrel joined Hendricks, sure, uh, you know, in a vacuum individually, they're they're both incredible. The bullpens. Look, the bullpen has names that I, I do think in you know in the next couple of years are going to be the the best most dominant bullpen maybe ever created with with Crochet and Kopech and uh, they're they're fantastic. But that idea of we're taking a closer and one of them is going to pitch uh, you know the eighth inning or the high leverage, I, it, look, it didn't work. It it, it could have, it didn't. So yeah, I, I would I would put it on the other end, but I'm not necessarily sure I I. I I don't know. I blame the individual, even though it's the individual who's getting the ball and going out there on the mound. It, uh, again, I, I just fall back on. I remember the the Red Sox had such a such a dynamic offense and a lineup that didn't work because there was almost too much of a good thing. And it sounds counterintuitive, but I, in a lot of ways, I'm I'm not shocked. And one of the things we hear all the time about pitchers and roles defined. They, they they like it. They're creatures of habit. They want to know that when the phone rings in the seventh inning, that's for me. When it rings in the eighth inning, that's for me. And it rings in the ninth inning, I know I'm going in. We kind of blew up. We blew that up. And I think that's you know I think that's partly to blame. Uh, although I don't I don't blame them for trying. I mean I, I gosh it's a it's a heck of a it's a heck of a roster in a bullpen with those names, isn't it? Oh, goodness. You're, you're 100% right in terms of the arms and, uh, you know, in terms of the resumes and what they've done recently. I am going to be curious once the postseason starts of Kimbrell. Uh, and, and look, reliever, you know how relievers go. I mean, Aroldis Chapman three weeks ago was considered to be a huge disaster. And guess what? Now everyone's like, oh, yeah. the old Aroldis is back. Kimbrell could go out in the last 10 days, have three great outings and, and be all primed up and ready to go in the postseason. But if that right. doesn't happen, I am going to be curious to see how he's used by by Tony LaRusse in the postseason. Uh, give me some thoughts on the Cardinals. Who? What a crazy comeback <laughs> win yesterday against the Milwaukee Brewers. They just keep rolling. Yeah, down a half dozen, and Goldschmidt goes yard twice, and Wainwright, who's been so good, doesn't have a good game, which will, will again, now lead it. But the Cardinals have good news all around. They, they keep winning. Uh, they're getting Flaherty back, which is an enormous deal for them and, and could be a game changer. Um, I'm I'm shocked. Uh, Eduardo, Tim, and I have done enough Cardinals games to look at them and and think there's no chance when we were doing their games they were making the playoffs. Zero chance. Uh, they had they had bullpen arms coming in and hitting players uh, consistently, walking guys. Mike Schilt was was driven crazy, I and mean, we had so many conversations with the poor guy uh, about the unpredictability of their bullpen, and he doesn't know what he's getting. And, look, these guys are professionals. we got to trust them to throw strikes, and they couldn't throw strikes. It's an amazing thing, and it'll be fascinating to see once this, uh, once the wild card game is played. You know, they're, they're going to play the Dodgers or Giants. Um, and, and, you know, I used to think there was, there was going to be a Dodger-Giant first-round division series because the wild card winner is going to be one of those two teams, and then they're going to face the West winner. <laughs> I don't know. How, how do you pick against a team that's won 12 in a row and who knows how it ends as they, as they finish this thing up? I mean, are they going to go in on an 18 game win streak? Like, what are they going to go in on? So 
it's it's startling to me. It is startling to me. But when you look back at it, you're like, well, Arenado's really good. Goldschmidt's really good. Molina's a great veteran. Uh, Tyler O'Neill's hitting the snot out of the ball. And their bullpen's kind of figured it out. Yeah, no no question about it. And I think it's you can see that you know, working with Molina has, has clearly helped John Lester um, you know, yep. Molina, you could see the response the other day when Lester won his 200th game and the way that he, you know, greeted Molina, how he certainly has been helped out by that situation. I said on the podcast a couple times this week, Carl, that uh, there are times when we will hear from athletes when we get to, you know, a championship round. Nobody believed in us. Uh, and, and most of the time when athletes say that stuff, we all kind of roll our eyes a little bit if you work in the industry. But the Cardinals are fully entitled to say that because <laughs> I absolutely had no thought three weeks ago that they would be making the playoffs. Nope, I'm guilty. And look, the Giants are going to say the same thing and the Red Sox will say the same thing um, because there's always been this feeling that the Dodgers are going to overtake the Giants and they still might. But that's very dismissive of a giant team where the collective sum of the parts has been better than than the great individual parts of the Dodgers. They have been. The sum has been greater than the parts of the Dodgers. And there have been a lot of folks, myself included, who've dismissed the sort of sum relative to the individuals, you know, that the Dodgers have. And I've been proven wrong. So the last 44 games for Juan Soto, August 5th through last night, 44 games, he has 54 hits, 55 walks, 20 strikeouts, 55 walks, 20 strikeouts in the last 44 games. He's hitting 400 in that time, Carl, with a 572 on base percentage. Two homers yesterday, goes three for three, draws a walk. Uh, You know, five days ago, I was ready to call off the National League MVP conversation, just give it to Bryce Harper. Good Lord, Juan Soto is unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... um... You know, we've had sort of flavors of months, and Tatis was that guy, obviously, early in the season, and the NL MVP was over. Um, I, I, again, I, I know he won't get it, but and because of the TV plays on, like I, I've I've fallen into the Max Scherzer, Cy Young, Max Scherzer MVP. We're, we're seeing something we've never seen from a pitcher before, and now we're seeing Juan Soto tap us on the shoulder and say, "Hold on a second, let's not forget about me and how how I've." been so good and here i am again so yeah it's been it's been crazy um i I don't know buster how i would if i had a vote vote mvp with regards to harper with regards to scherzer with regards to soto with regards to tatis it's a really fascinating race and it's partly because none of them and i don't mean them but nobody has grabbed the MVP race. And similarly in the American League, Otani had grabbed it and owned it, and that kind of changed here down the stretch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, Soto's, Soto took that home run derby and seemingly has just exploded in the second half, which I, I hope gives Nationals fans, you know, reason for optimism moving forward. Like, we have that guy. He's so young. We're going to be okay. This, this year was terrible. We traded everybody, but we're, we're going to be okay. Yeah, he reminds me, just having spent some time with him and watched him go through pregame workouts, he reminds me so much of Tony Gwynn and how precise he is about his regimen. But here's one difference between the two. He hits for power at a younger age. Uh, And 
It, which is why, you know, we always make the comparisons to one of Tony Gwynn's good friends with Juan Soto, and that is Ted Williams. First 455 games of Juan Soto's career, his numbers are almost identical to those of Ted Williams. Soto, 98 homers, 359 walks. Ted Williams, 96 homers, 367 walks. And Carl, I think Ted Williams, if he were alive, he'd be the first one to tell you, you know what, the pitching that Juan Soto faces isn't even close. And the idea that you have a guy in a quarter of a baseball season almost have a three-to-one walk-to-strikeout ratio, not strikeout-to-walk, walk-to-strikeout ratio is insane in 2021. Yeah, Buster, Look, all, all the numbers are great. The Ted Williams comparison is great. Uh, what, I, what, what has always struck me about Juan Soto in speaking with him or in just watching him, but more so speaking with him, um, the maturation. A lot of people looked at the postseason a couple of years ago when he was doing his, his gyrations but still was able to perform as almost like an act that's kind of arrived. We'll, we'll get to watch it, and then we're going to dismiss it. Uh, it's, it's, it's not an act. And there is, there is a maturity about him, which is remarkable. Um, his patience, his dedication to the craft. Uh, I guess if I were to look at, at Tony Gwynn, you mentioned and Ted Williams and Wade Boggs is another one. Um, you know, and they were, they all hit predominantly from the left side. Uh, he, he has this, this, this craft, that he wants to master and he's not going to be satisfied as a young 20 year old. I don't think I, I think he recognizes what, what he's capable of. And rather than just rest on it, he's shown in the first few years, this desire to keep getting better. If you're swinging at good pitches, if you're disciplined, if you have the power, if you have his legs, which he has, and he gets down into them, he, he's going to be good for a long time. He, he has shown through his words and his actions. He wants to be historically great. And and that's where those guys that you mentioned to me, I would I I continue the comparison. It's it is it's it's wonderful because he's also he embraced it. He look the dude loves baseball and that that you yeah. can see, and that's what I mean. I love that about him. He loves it. We got 90 seconds left. I want to ask you about this. Major League Baseball is experimenting with pre-tack baseballs at some AAA games during the last stretch of the minor uh, league season. Yeah. This, according to confirmation from MLB, after a story was reported by Baseball America. Carl, I cannot believe <laughs> for how long this conversation has been going on about the, the surface of the baseball that we actually don't have something that everyone's agreed to. Like, that's amazing to me. So they're trying this thing. We're obviously going to have a conversation in the offseason about sticky substance. I'm not going to use the pitcher's name but I, because I don't think it's fair. I don't want to single him out. But I've seen a superstar pitcher in recent weeks, basically when he works during the game, it's like he's unloading his saliva glands on every ball he gets. <laughs> like he, Which, by the way, is I've had coaches and managers point out to me, is illegal but because everyone is trying to find the right feel on the baseball, they're all looking the other way. I've seen pitchers in recent weeks. I think it's pretty clear they're using some kind of a sunscreen because they're doing that forearm thing that we saw for a few years. Everyone trying to find some kind of a, a feel on the baseball. How did we get to this point? Well, we got to this point because of the inability of two sides to figure out what to do. And it seems quite clear Major League Baseball is committed to uh introducing a new baseball next year and one that they're going to, you know, they're going to design. I, I know Eduardo Perez talks often about coming back from the Olympics and saying they, they have it already. It exists. We could use that one. 
Um, and and that's not that's not going to happen. There may be one exactly like it, but they're not using that one. Um, but it, it's it's I think it's fairly obvious to see some of the guys who were using substances that aren't using it anymore, whether they're not throwing fastballs up in the zone, uh, whether they can't land a curveball that they were consistently landing. All of those things are fairly evident, and the notion that we have put ourselves in a position to go into the most important part of any season, the postseason, and not have equipment that the sides, both pitcher and hitter, are comfortable with, uh, is a is a black eye, you know, for baseball. That that doesn't make any sense. It w- it would be like it would be like taking away. I'm watching the Ryder Cup, t- taking away drivers and saying we can't figure out which driver to use so we're we're not going to we're not going to use anyone but this one model and everybody's got to use the same one it 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 flies in the face of of competitive nature and it, it, it's frustrating and it's unfortunately fairly fairly typical for baseball which stinks yeah and and they're flirting with chaos because i tell you what if a team faces uh, this particular superstar pitcher in the postseason manager could complete could completely change everything the opposing manager by coming out and saying uh yeah he's not allowed to go to his mouth umpires want you to check yep. on him yep all right yep. carl thanks for doing this uh stay dry tonight thank you talk to you soon you can now stream the most mlb games on direct tv without a satellite dish yes the clutch hits the strikeouts grand salamis web gems with nothing on your roof so whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Todd Radom is the chief executive of our weekly quiz. He's a graphic artist whose work can be seen on ball fields all across America, all around the world. Or you can go to his website, Todd Radom. Todd, how you doing this week? Luster, we've got pennant races. It's late September. All is well with the world, my friend. So I said earlier in the week, I wanted to see if you agree with me. I feel like that a lot of times when we get to end of September, we get in October and it becomes a refrain among teams that when they win championships, no one believed in us. Uh, (laughs) For me, the 2021 St. Louis Cardinals might be actually a team that can say that and be correct. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they can lay a claim to that without any question. Streaking all over the place. Uh, what did I see yesterday? Their, their uh, you know, percentage chances of winning several weeks ago, but basically nothing. Now they're a virtual lock to get in. 
and uh, a dangerous team for sure. And St. Louis has to be loving it. Yeah, uh, a lot of fun. And, um, you know, as I said earlier in the week, uh, you know, when the players stand up on the podium and they say that no one believed in us, then we should just sit back and go, yep, you're 100% right. <laughs> All right, before we get to this week's quiz, let's talk about this week's forgotten franchise. Buster, this week we are going to take a look at a one-year wonder, the Indianapolis Blues, who played in the National League way back in 1878, the league's third season. The Blues were formed in 1876 as an independent club called the Indianapolis Westerns. They won the International Association pennant a year later, and their success spurred the NL to admit them to their fold a year after that. In 1878, the National League consisted of only six teams, and they played a short 60-game schedule, the same length as last year's abbreviated pandemic season. The Blues played their home contests at South Street Park, located on the northeast corner of Delaware and South Streets, close by the current site of Bankers Life Fieldhouse. The Blues opened up their schedule at home on May 1st against the Chicago White Stockings, these are today's Cubs, on a warm, cloudy day in front of 1,200 fans. Chicago, however, spoiled the festivities, winning the game by a score of 5-4. to four. The Blues' top pitcher was rookie Edward Sylvester Nolan, a.k.a. the only Nolan. He was suspended from the team twice during the 1878 season and later blacklisted from the league for various transgressions, including suspicions of throwing games. He was later cleared and for bolting the club in August to attend the funeral of his brother in New Jersey. Well, one problem was that he had no brother. The other was that he actually remained in Indy with the Indianapolis Journal reporting that Nolan, quote, owed his downfall to the fascinations of a beautiful habitué of an avenue assignation house who has ruined more men in this city than she can count on the jeweled fingers of both hands. Why don't we write like that anymore, Buster? <laughs> Nolan was later reinstated. He played for several different clubs and later became a police officer in Patterson, New Jersey, rising through the ranks and eventually attaining the position of sergeant. Another rookie, third baseman Ned Williamson, would enjoy a stellar career. He belted 27 home runs for Chicago in 1884, which remained the single-season record until a guy named Babe Ruth hit 29 in 1919. The Blues' final game took place at Boston on September 14, 1878. A 4-0 win for Indy played in a crisp one hour and 40 minutes. Battered by economic headwinds, the club finished the year $2,500 in debt and they resigned from the National League on December 4th, 1878. They were replaced by another club that took the Blues nickname, Cleveland, who joined the NL along with teams from Syracuse and Buffalo. Indianapolis, however, would get a new National League team in 1887, the Hoosiers, who we discussed on May 21st. But this week, Buster, the one-and-done 1878 Indianapolis Blues are our forgotten franchise. All right. Lots of questions. And I have to sort through them and pare them down. Uh, the uh, first natural one would be, how is it that a franchise, and this is an open-ended question. I, this is not meant to be a rhetorical question. Uh, how does a franchise in Indianapolis wind up with a nickname, the Blues? Any feel on that? I don't think they gave a lot of thought to it, Buster. I think it was the color of their socks and that was it. Okay. And uh, forgive me for having grown up in a in a town of 400 people in the middle of Vermont. Uh, I, I think I can guess what an assignation house is, 
Can you uh, educate me on that uh, a little bit more? Because I'm fascinated by that. Well, this is a family podcast, Buster. We have impressionable listeners. And maybe what we need to do is kind of cloak this in a little mystery and say that uh, some ill repute was involved. Some (laughs) things that, you know, some things that you and I would not get up to on the road, but others might. Some interests might be there, but we would never bolt our club, especially lying about the death of an alleged brother. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's what I, was, that's what I thought when I when I when I uh, I saw that. And it was beautifully written there. Oh, uh, this, this is Shakespearean prose. I mean, you know, you just unbelievable. Absolutely. One thing that strikes me, Buster, also is we did discuss the Indianapolis Hoosiers a couple of months ago yeah. and Indianapolis home to the Colts, a great sports tradition, home to the NCAA, has not had a Major League Baseball franchise since then. And I know they they were in on potential expansion in the 80s, but uh, they have a geographic conundrum being as close as they are to Chicago and Cincinnati and uh, a city that will probably, uh, you know, one would imagine never get an MLB franchise regardless of the appeal, right? No, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I do. I did. You know, when I was covering the Nashville Sounds back in 1989 and 90, I'd go up and see games uh, in Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Indians, the great Howard Kelman, uh, play by play man for that team. But my my distinct memory is that the PA announcer there, uh, they had a player on the team and and the PA announcer had so much fun with his name. And I'm not going to do it justice here, but it was razor shines oh when excellent you bring him up to the plate that was uh that was a lot of fun expo's farm team and i designed the final season logo for bush stadium b-u-s-h which i believe was back in 1995 a long time ago well all right you get to get to this week's quiz all right guys i was in cooperstown uh this past weekend so a bolt of lightning hit me on the head Derek Jeter, born in 1974, is one of the seven baseball Hall of Famers who were born in the 1970s. Which Hall of Famer among the following was not born during that decade? Was it Chipper Jones, Jim Tomei, Mariano Rivera, or Pedro Martinez? Not born in the 70s like Derek Jeter. Chipper Jones, Jim Tomei, Mariano Rivera, or Pedro Martinez? Wow. Oh, my goodness. Uh, All right. What do you got, Taylor? Mm, Let me think about this one for a second. I think I'm going to go Jim Tomey. Yeah, I thought about going Jim Tomey, but I'm going to overthink it again. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go Pedro Martinez. You're both wrong. It was Mariana Rivera. (laughs) Just, just missed out. He was born on November 29th, 1969. Pedro born in 1971, Jim Tomei in 1970, and Chipper Jones, by the way, in 1972. So you both lose. Yeah, and I should have I had a, taken a better shot at that because, of course, the great trajectory of, uh, Pedro, of Mariano's career, he was you know, sort of viewed as a middling starting pitcher uh, in the Yankees farm system. He had a significant shoulder injury, and then he was called up in the spring of 95 uh, the White Sox players talk about having gotten a scouting report saying, yeah, it's, his stuff is mediocre. And this guy comes out firing and they're all looking at each other going, hey, what the heck? <laughs> In terms of scouting report and the other great story, the and Gene, Gene Michael told me this story about Mariano Rivera in the spring of 95. They're actually talking to other teams 
about uh, you know starting pitcher, and they had a deal arranged, uh, the concept of a deal arranged. David Wells from Mariana Rivera, and Gene Michael got a uh, a, a scouting report from a Yankees Triple A game from the night before, in which Rivera pitched, and they said radar gun readings. 95-96 rather than 90-92 and Gene Michael called down he told me and like yelled at the you know the people on the field on the field staff and said what are you doing your radar gun is messed up and they're like no seriously that's how hard he was throwing and then he called a, a scout with another team and asked him hey what did you have Rivera at last night 95 96 miles per hour and he called off the David Wells trade conversations <laughs> good move and eventually they had both and uh, guys, I just have to say, again, having been in Cooperstown last weekend, how fitting is it that the plaques of Marion Rivera and Derek Jeter are adjacent to one another for all eternity, right next to each other? Yes, exactly. Yeah, that would, that would uh, that's pretty neat. I love the picture of Derek standing in front of that uh, when he was inducted. Absolutely. All right, Todd, thanks for doing this. Thanks so much, guys. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a glorious Friday. Andrew, I'm not going to mess around with the last name, but Andrew writes in, the Orioles are routinely regarded as being terrible and or an embarrassment this season, but the Diamondbacks have the same record. Why don't the D-backs get the same treatment? Can we bag on the D-backs for a second here, Buster? Andrew, the context is completely different. It's apples and oranges. 2017, Uh, Arizona won 93 games. 2018, 82 wins. 2019, 85 wins. They've clearly made moves to try to win, including signing Madison Bumgarner. Now, they are in a retooling period. Uh, Mike Hazen, their their, uh, general manager, uh, spoke with reporters yesterday. He said he's going to talk more at the end of the regular season about what the direction of the team is. They have a you know massive challenge in the National League West with the, the Giants being as good as they are, the Dodgers being as good as they are, but they've been trying. The Orioles' future payroll obligations, I was looking this up, Taylor, to this morning. In 2022, for the next year's team, this is what the Orioles' future payroll obligation is, zero dollars, <laughs> not a nickel. There's not no indication yet that they're going to spend anything more than they have to for next year. They do have some deferred money owed to Chris Davis moving forward, who has retired. It's it's not even close. <laughs> wow. Okay. I guess we'll uh, move on from bagging on the D backs for a second. Uh, let's go to. You agree? Oh yeah. I mean, it's a joke. It's it's obvious. I mean, the Madison Bumgarner signing alone shows that they're serious about at least trying. Uh, I did not know that about them having no payroll obligations for next season, which is uh, woefully depressing. Um, so <laughs> let's move on. Uh, Superb Owl at Superb Owl Owl writes in Cedric Mullins is just one home run away from a 30 30 season. Where do you see him ranking in the MVP voting or will playing on the last place Orioles hinder his chances of placing in the top three? I feel like there's no chance of him placing the top three. What do you think? No, not top three. You know, I do think he's going to get some top 10 votes, uh, maybe eight, nine, 10, somewhere in that range. But one, two and three. I think those are pretty much locked in at this point. You're going to have Otani. You're going to have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and you're going to have Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez, who's a regular on the show now. Salvi, this is a Royals podcast after all. Eric Bobby writes in, at Bet the Family Farm. Hey, Buster, the expression heads will roll is going to fit this organization the most. Padres, Twins, Yankees, or Mets? Padres. Uh, look, they're going to be some cheap. The Yankees don't make the playoffs. We talked about the possibility Aaron Boone could get let go. I do think the Mets are going to change their manager. There's going to be a shakeup in the front office because of all the stuff that we've seen this year. 
but I think the Padres are going to have the most significant change. Last one for the week, Louisville Slugger at Ville underscore Slugger six writes in in the once upon a time 30 for 30. Keith Hernandez's leadership really stood out during your time covering the game. Who were some of the other true leaders on the field? And hey, Louisville Slugger, thanks for bringing up once upon a time in Queens. You can watch that on ESPN plus or the ESPN app if you did not know already. <laughs> uh, I think CC Sabathia was a great leader. Um, look, uh, you know, Michael Young of the Texas Rangers was someone who was really respected. Uh, Yadi Molina is someone who I think has been a great leader within their clubhouse. There are a lot of players, you know, every team you've got guys. Um, but yeah, Keith Hernandez was excellent. He to me was more of a, you know, the type of leader that, uh, like I, when I covered the Yankees in the late nineties, David Cohn was that guy, like the older guy who would sort of school the younger players on how to handle certain things. It's pretty clear Keith Hernandez had that uh, that role on those Mets teams. All righty. That does it for Bleacher Tweets. Thanks for writing in, everyone. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter as you're watching the games over the weekend. And please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's it for today. That's it for this week. My thanks to Carl, Todd, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.